I do. Hailing Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and we still don't know number one's name, but we do know that she's a monster. I mean, who eats, who eats French fries without ketchup? Joining me, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom on the Chronic Rift Network. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back. Hi, thank you. What goes on fries in England? Is it like um, malt sauce? vinegar? Uh, malt vinegar. <laughs> brown sauce. <Okay. laughs> what is brown sauce for? What, what is what is what do you do? Uh, HP. What do you put that on? I got, I have no answers. Oh, I haven't got there yet. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just, um, British people on some level are all just insane and yeah, I'm okay. not yet. <laughs> sure. It'll come one day. <laughs> Do you have a, uh, like a go-to, uh, snack there or like food when you're like, it just all gets too British and you need a taste of home? Um, I made my... Mom, bring me a box of Cheez-Its. Okay, sure. But I don't know if that counts because she had to bring them for me from America. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I eat just lots of vegetables anyways. <laughs> there are, oh, well, there you go. There are no cheese crackers uh, in, in England? There's, or um, just... There are Jacob's Mini Cheddars. <laughs> which are good the red leicester variety That's classier than closest. cheese it yeah <laughs> yeah um... cheese cheese it yeah <laughs> but um they're no they're no cheese it you got to have those those chunky salt granules on top yeah that, you got to have that well makes um, the cheese it yeah, well, uh, thanks for tuning in to British Snacks R Us. Uh, no, actually, this is uh, Star Trek Discoverage. We're here to talk about the episode that we just watched on CBS All Access of Star Trek Discovery. We don't have a third guest this week. Uh, are you busy? I'm busy. And you know how busy or how I know how busy I am? Are you a tab person on your browser? I have about <laughs> 357 tabs open right now with all the projects and things I'm working on. And I can always tell it's like a stress level. It's like a way that I can look at like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really busy right now. I've got 400 tabs open. So I got to clear some of these tabs. Yeah. That's me like writing a paper. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes I will literally finish it so that I can close like Just early close because I'm like, I need to get all of this out of the way. Yeah. Close the computer, uh, throw it in the trash and you're all done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek news a little bit before we get into the episode here. Uh, so I heard a story this week that Whoopi Goldberg is interested in returning to Trek for the upcoming Picard series. What do you think about that? Um, I hadn't heard that before. And wow. I mean, we can only pray for Whoopi to return to us. Um, but I don't know the way they've been steering all the shows to be like nothing like 
what's already been on the air. I don't know if they'll have her on even for a cameo, you know? Yo, you think that they're going to take Picard and they're just going to set him totally out, you know, amongst well, the stars, but just doing something else, nothing to do with anything TNG at all? Well, kind of. Like, I don't know. Well, I they're really, they're really sure. like dancing around it with Disco. Even having the Enterprise now and having Pike and number one here, they're still like, you know, but this isn't your grandma's Star Trek, you know? Like today's, today's... <laughs> episode was so crazy like it was so star trek original series but it was also so disco because it was so much more complicated than yeah like if this was an original series episode it would have just been like this thing has broken our universal translator and now spock is speaking vulcan and um uhura is speaking you know like swahili and then that they would fix it and that would be the episode yeah but instead, um, they they um, in the writer's room, they just want to make us suffer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, what, what did you think about the uh, news that there would be a animated show for younger viewers? Oh, my God. So excited. I The animated series was like the first Star Trek I ever watched, I'm pretty sure, yeah. when I was like a tiny, tiny, like, toddler. Um, and I just loved it so much. And I have so like many like little kid memories of like sitting in front of like our like ancient TV in our first house and watching it. And it's, I just, I'm so excited to have something like that back on the air and I'm a hundred percent going to watch it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, you know, I just found out if listeners don't know the season two premiere of discovery is actually available for free on YouTube. Uh, the entire episode, so I wouldn't necessarily suggest starting with the first episode of season two, but if you know somebody <laughs> who's thinking of giving Disco a try, that would be a good pr uh, place to send them. Well, uh, tonight we have seen the fourth episode of Star Trek Discovery season two, an oval for Karen, and we're here to break it down for you. And before we start, as always, we're setting a course for the spoiler zone, listeners, so be warned, we're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episode yet, spoilers for it are incoming. The official synopsis for an oval for Charon is a mysterious sphere threatens the USS Discovery, even as May, in her original form, implements a plan that puts Tilly's life in danger. Saru and Burnham's bond grows when Saru is forced to acknowledge a deeply unsettling Kelpian truth, and Pike receives new intel on Spock from a loyal friend. These, um, these episode summaries get more and more <laughs> like a script for the episode. Uh, <laughs> you realize how much is going on in some of these episodes. Uh, the teleplay for this episode was written by Andrew Colville and Alan McElroy. Andrew Colville, we talked about last week. He's a staff writer for uh, Discovery Season 2 and a co-executive producer for the show. And he also wrote last week's episode, Point of Light. And Alan McElroy, now, <clears throat> if this is the Alan McElroy I'm thinking of, he is a writer and producer on Star Trek Discovery this year, but he's also the writer of films like The Marine, the 1997 Spawn film, Wrong Turn, the 2000 Left Behind film, the live-action Tekken film, and the 2002 movie Ballistic X vs. Sever, considered by many to be the worst movie ever made, with a 0% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And, <laughs> yes, uh, starring Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu. And it's a film, Ballistic X vs. Sever, that I've already covered on my cult movie podcast, Craft of Services, which you can find at craftofservices.com. Seamless plug 
but we'll keep going on there. <laughs> and all that said, just to spoil my review a bit, I immensely enjoyed the script of tonight's episode, so no worries there. I'm, I'm good with Alan. Uh, the story for the episode comes from Jordan Nardino. Nardino is a co-executive producer of Star Trek Discovery, and he wrote the season one episode, Vaulting Ambition. And there's also a story credit for Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harberts, the former head writers for season one and the first part of season two. The episode was directed by writer, producer, and director Lee Rose. She also directed the episode Choose Your Pain from Discovery's first season. And a little pedantry before we get rolling. Um, an obol, in this case, was a form of currency used in ancient Greece, which, depending on the specific time or place, were either coins or spits or rods, six of which made up a drachma. The titular obol for, for Sharon refers, of course, to the ancient Greek practice of placing a coin on the tongue of the deceased, uh, allowing them to pay Charon, the ferryman, who took the deceased across the river Styx to the entrance of the underworld. If you can't pay the ferryman, you're stuck haunting the shores of Styx forever. It's kind of like Uber, but I guess it would be like Unter in this case. <laughs> uh, good night, everyone. No, we're, we're going to continue. Uh, Obel is also the name I found out of a proprietary cereal bowl technology. Uh, you can look it up online. Uh, it's the first thing that comes up when you Google Obel, thanks to capitalism. Uh, it's a cereal bowl. I don't know if you've seen this with like an S-shaped uh, uh, wall down the middle. And it's got two different elevations in the bottom and allows you to keep your cereal from getting soggy because you can dispense <gasps> it at your leisure from the uh, upper compartment into the lower compartment of milk. Wow, the well, cereal bowl I never knew I needed. Yes. <laughs> it's a two-compartment cereal bowl. Uh, of course, that refers to the Greek practice. And that's what they were referencing <laughs> in the yeah. title of the episode. <laughs> that's what it's for, yeah. It's the Greek practice of leaving a fruit loop on each eye of the deceased. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the episode? Um, I loved it. I... <laughs> Are you doing that thing where uh, it's this is the new best one? I'm yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about five minutes into this episode. I was like, it's happening again. It's happening to me again. And every week we talk about how I have to stay up late to watch these, but it's like, you know, it's like one fifty and I'm like in my room alone just crying. <laughs> just like full tears and we don't have to get into it, but I watched a movie I'm a film student and I watched a movie today called Suffragette and so about um, I don't know, eight, no, like 12 hours ago, I was in full tears watching that. So it's been a rough day for me consuming media, <laughs> but they really, they really got me. They got me with this episode. <laughs> like was... I was convinced that we were going to lose Saru. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, part of me intellectually knew there's no way that they can kill. I mean, Doug Jones isn't going anywhere, but also part of me kind of, I sus actually wrote down in my notes uh, the second he, you know, says, oh, I'm going to die, that, and I'm not like, I don't have secret powers or anything, but I, I wrote, like, he's going to be fine, he, like, his ganglia will fall off or, or disappear or something, and that will be the the sort of uh, thing that he has to do uh, to sort of level up. Now, I didn't know that he was going to, like, at the end of this, he gets kind of like a confidence boost, like Jordy got. Like, yeah, you know, like the yeah. Season of TNG, <laughs> where it's like, I can do anything. Look out, Julie, here I come. Um so I didn't I didn't expect that um, them to go that hard into like his uh, personality, but I did think, oh, you know what? I bet that this the whole culling thing it's all a con. It's something that they've been told and has been programmed into them. And we got a lot of. Um, I mean, if you haven't seen um, the Brightest Star, the short trek, I mean, clearly you, you need to. But we kind of got all that information again in this episode. This is really this is a big one for the Ceruligans out there still trying to make that happen. <laughs> 
in that it's yeah i mean it works a lot of suru's backstory in and really changes him in a big way it wasn't just oh thank god i'm not gonna die it's he's like kind of mad now <laughs> he's like oh you tell yeah people about this this is crazy well and i had that thought too at the beginning i was like that's a lot if the if the predator species that just yoinks you guys is telling you that like that's clearly a lie yeah. but then he was he, he was like the i mean the makeup department really just went all out on making him look like crusty and on the verge of yeah. death yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. i but no yeah i was in like full denial because i was like oh well they can't kill so like they like it's doug jones they can't like he's a thing like he's not gonna die yeah. Um, but I was still like having a really, like, it's so moving. And then I was having such a moment with that. And then there was like 45 seconds where I was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. And I'm yeah. not ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm endlessly glad that he, uh, is not going to leave the show. And also it's just another, uh, notch in the belt here. Um, I don't know if that metaphor works at all, but like for them, kind of going after or exploring religion this year. Um, you know, Saru finds out that what is essentially the de facto belief of his planet, the Great Balance, is something that was is a lie, essentially, or is something that was manufactured in order to control his people. So uh, what are they, wh where do you think we're going here <laughs> as far as uh, talking about uh, faith and religion here in this, uh, in this season? I mean, it definitely is a theme i don't know where we're gonna go with it i don't understand it but also like saru being the only kelpian that's ever really like rebelled like did he not have this thought before where it's like yeah. you know they're just doing this to control us like he never right so if he's was rebelling, like this is fake yeah is he kelpian jesus or kelpian satan Ooh. There's your media studies. Think about that. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think about the sphere? Which I don't. Does it? Did it ever get a name? No. Just a crazy, crazy sphere. Just the sphere. The sphere that's been there for a very long time and yep. can somehow disseminate information into the computer. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Well, they've got a uh, Wi-Fi, but um, I didn't. Um, Near the end of the episode, they were talking about some of the information that they were um, getting from it, and I googled some of the names, and I didn't see anything really come up. And with all those names, you think that they'd get some kind of, I don't know, maybe I just missed it, but some kind of name for the species that uh, created this sphere. But I thought that it was a, a fascinating um, idea to put, to put into the show, uh, having this species. It was, kind of, it was sort of like inner light-ish a little bit, like the idea mm -hmm. that they had, whatever had happened to this species, they had created this... Uh, created this uh, this probe to sort of share um, you know their last memories or their accumulated knowledge, um, and it also kind of reminded me of a Star Trek novel. Um, there's a novel by uh, Peter David called I think it's called Eye of the Beholder, and in it the Enterprise D finds this uh, strange craft that's from a long dead race, and inside uh, what you don't I mean I'm going to spoil the book I guess a little bit but like spoil you it. find out that it is a like an art museum. It's like the collected art and um, humanities of mm -hmm. this culture. But they're a culture that comes from a different part of space. Something about them gives you sensory overlord, or overlord, overload. So the away team beams over there to see what's going on, and they all freak out, and Data's the only one that can like keep it together. And eventually, like Data figures out, oh, this is like, they're trying to show us their culture 
it, it's like a message in a bottle type situation that we get in Trek sometimes. And that same theme of harmful sensation is there, you know, being just overwhelmed by what yeah. they're trying to give you. That's funny that it reminded you of that because it reminded me of a novel I read. It's not a Star Trek novel um, called Saturn Run by like uh, somebody Sanford. Okay. And um, it they like basically they like it's like in the future and NASA basically sends a ship to like this they like discover this like alien thing and it's like the same thing where it's like a pit stop where you can get like all this like information but you have to like trade stuff so they're like okay well we'll trade you like all of earth's music for like (laughs) how was this built (laughs) (laughs) i got a maroon five cd (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah not much well that's cool um i have to imagine do you think that that it's a cool thing, and I think I've talked before on Enterprising Individuals about how we're always uh, Starfleet's always getting new information or like cultural exchange, and then we never actually see the effects of like um, some great piece of technology we get from an alien or something that we learn. Do you think that the, the knowledge that they get, which of course they're now combing through and is a hundred thousand years of knowledge, do you think that they'll find some clues to what the uh, Red Angel or the uh, lights are in there? They have to, right? Yeah. If they if they don't, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, they have to be able to use it. I don't know. I don't know what for. I still don't know how they're gonna like wrap up this Red Angel plotline in a neat little bow for me. But <laughs> yeah, they're, they're letting it ride, and I think that that's I like that. You know, um, I don't. I, I think we know that there was a break in production between. I think like the sixth episode and the seventh episode. So maybe mm-hmm. it'll kind of come to a head uh, in a show or two and then we'll have to, you know, kind of get back into it. But I like the fact that they're letting it go. And, you know, something else is like the thing about Starfleet is like knowledge is its own reward. And I thought that it was really amazing that <laughs> I I like Pike and I like Anson Mount's um, portrayal of Pike. But I was almost I was really surprised that he literally chose discovery the ship but i mean also a a discovery uh over his stated mission uh which is to follow you know spock's shuttlecraft or whatever and so you know usually you have the captain there especially when he's not necessarily the main character as like a force of authority he's supposed to be the guy that goes no we got to break it off yeah this is really cool but you know we have to do what our job is and he's like i mean people call kirk a cowboy but spike's like or or pike's like yeah screw it let's do it like (laughs) <laughs> it's, we got to get this stuff. It's really important. I I, re- I realize that. So <laughs> I still like Pike, but is he just going to be like he's just space daddy to everybody? Like he's just <laughs> he's just a big teddy bear. He loves Tilly and he loves Burnham. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have to get me. I want to see him yell at somebody. Come on. I mean, could you like look Saru in the eyes and be like, I know you think you're dying, but like we got to bounce because my other, my officer killed some people and we got to go grab him. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I never could because uh, I'm 100% Saru again, but, uh, but I think maybe that's the kind of tough decision a, a captain needs to make. I mean, you're probably right, but then he wouldn't have gotten. <laughs> 
thousands of years worth of information that's true. downloaded and, yeah. directly to the hard drive. <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like you give up something and you get even more because mm-hmm. part of the data is oh, the, mm-hmm. the sphere knew where the shuttle was. So no problem. Yeah. Um, so uh, what else is going on in the ship down in engineering? All kinds of things are going on uh, that almost seemed um, detached from what was actually going on in the, rest yeah. of the show. Uh, Tignataro's back, <laughs> which I thought was really great. And we got the I exact love her yeah. so much. We got the exact kind of interplay between her and Stamets that I think we expected and also really, really wanted. And and needed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that he's got a point about uh, you know, like solar panels up to mushrooms or the new like uh clean energy type thing? Yeah, yeah. I I loved his uh his clean energy rant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe um, it's, something's going to go wrong because, of course, not everything is running on spores uh, in the future. Um, but, yeah, I like their uh, exchange with the, the house dressing and, uh, and all that. <laughs> also, imagine, like, being Burnham and you're dealing with, like, Saru and the ship about to blow. And then you go down <laughs> you go down to engineering and you can't get in until he's just got, like, a fungus attached to her arm. And you're like, what? going on you guys alone for five minutes yeah what's even happening you here? can't take i asked you to watch her for a day <laughs> you drilled a hole in her head i'm never coming back to this daycare again uh yeah um i <laughs> thought that that was a little extreme but i guess in a future where you can just wave a wand and knit bone and flesh and stuff like that maybe like drilling a hole in your head is just like a that's just a fun weekend yeah, but, like, also, they're always, like, dropping, like, they always people drop, like, oh, it used to be so barbaric. You used to have to cut into people with right, scalpels. Yeah. And then and then they're just like, oh, well, we obviously we have to drill into her head. Yeah. <laughs> Leonard McCoy, would, but then again, they're engineers. Leonard McCoy never would have gone with that, but they just see it as, like, <laughs> all right, where's the tool? Is it, is it the drill? Okay, let's do this. It's broken. We fixed it. <laughs> right. I got some gum. It fits in the hole. Point A, go. point B. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whatever century it is, though, you do not want to get, like, fungal spores in your brain. That's that's bad news. Oh, my God. I was so – I just – the whole, like, fungus thing and, like, that thing – I mean, when they pulled it out of Tilly, first of all. Yeah. And then when it just, like, escalated today and, it, like, especially with the spores, like, I never tr- – anything that can hit you with a spore, I I don't trust <laughs> – <laughs> I'm suspicious okay. of All spores. Right. Right. I'm also allergic it's to prudent. literally everything <laughs> outside. So maybe that's part of it. I'm surprised that uh, that Tilly isn't allergic to um, spores. That seems like a character feature that she'd have. Yeah, no sneezing. Everybody gets a CCs of uh, Claritin before they head down to engineering. Uh, oh, my God. But when they were, like, stoned, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing about your aura. <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, that's just me, like, Wait a minute. daily. Oh, daily, I'm just like, <laughs> you're the, bad you guy. the <laughs> yeah. best energy. Slap yeah. me in the face real quick so I can focus. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I like it, I like it, but there's been a lot of, um, there must be a lot of uh, music fans in the Discovery Writers Room because there's a lot of music references on the show. Um, a couple specific. Oh my God! When Saru episode. left the bridge, and they there was a um, like a a bit of music that sounded like the original theme. 
Right, right. That really killed me. <laughs> yeah. I what um I think it's cool that they uh, referenced uh, David Bowie and that Space Oddity is uh, that, Julie's oh. favorite song, but they <laughs> does Stamets. He's more of a like maybe an opera fan or a Beatles fan. He knows that song's about a dying astronaut, right? It's maybe not the best thing to say <laughs> before you drill into somebody's head. Oh, he was so sweet, though. I was yeah, like, that's was. the best bedside manner I've ever seen at a Stamets. Like, he's just like, hey, kid, what's your favorite song? Hey, and he was like, I song? know you're making it. <laughs> Why? What's going to happen? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, something, other that, uh, something else I liked in this episode was we got like a full-on um, briefing room scene. Like, we got like a yes. real life, here's the bridge crew. I think we're starting to get to know the bridge crew a little better this year. Um, although I wish that they would get, well, subplots, but I, I wish they'd also get, in the original series, when you think about it, like, Sulu didn't have that many lines, but he would get, mm -hmm. like, a good line. You know, they would yeah. see some strange thing. Abraham Lincoln would be on the view screen or whatever, and he'd be like, boy, I don't know about this. And, like, we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got him. So I think they need to give, like, a few better lines. But we did get, we get to see a lot of um, Linus. Uh, he's becoming more of a character. I was going to say, what's his what's his deal? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand. I'm not exactly sure what his job is, but he seems to, to be pretty knowledgeable. No, no like, yeah, I don't know what his job is. He's just kind <laughs> of like, it sucks to be sick, dude. And I've got six sinuses. So, like, yeah. imagine that. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to top right. that later. Some stuff is going to fall out of my head. But yeah, that, that sucks. <laughs> also, can we... The thing with the universal translator breaking... Yeah. Are they not... Are Like, is the majority of the crew not just speaking Earth English to each other? Because, I mean, obviously, like, Linus and... I mean, I, I would say Linus and Saru, but, like, confirmed Saru speaks, like, right. every language. Yeah. But... At like at first when it broke and um, Burnham started speaking Klingon, I was yeah. like, um, like, don't do this to me again. Number one, <laughs> like I was like, we're not having a repeat of last season's tinfoil hats. I'm not doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, so I don't like. Does that mean that she's not like? It felt to me like that means that every crew member is speaking a different language at all times unless they need to switch to English. Yeah. That threw to, me for the... well, it threw me for a loop, but what I think I came up with was um well first of all, you know, that whole scene with Linus does help set up that he isn't speaking English. And I think yeah. you know, separate problem, everybody in the Federation has to speak Earth English. Uh, I don't know, whatever. Uh, Archer wasn't that great, but uh, so everybody speaks English, but maybe uh, aliens like Saurians, uh, like I presume Linus is, um, don't have the mouth parts that they can actually speak English. So crew members that don't have the correct parts are probably speaking their own language. But what I didn't get was why does the uh, computer and the translator getting messed up mean everybody's speaking something else? And I think it's. Yeah, effect, exactly. I think it's an effect of because as far as I understand, their brains weren't being affected. It's just. When an Andorian ambassador comes aboard and he's like, what's up? He's speaking Andorian. We just hear English because translator. And so in this case, the, that effect of the translator, you know, is just randomizing their languages. So 
what you hear is the computer replacing their speech. Now, it's a thing of the Trek universe. If somebody is speaking Andorian, wouldn't we hear something, something Andorian, but also what's up over it? Like you're watching um, people at the UN on, on C-SPAN or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, um, it was like in Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do that in Beyond. Um, they actually do that in um, on the Klingon ship in Discovery as well. So Right, right, right. And I think it's just a convention of TV, but you could also, I don't know, there's probably some memory alpha page somewhere that says that the computer actually you know, uses noise cancellation to cancel the original speech and then insert the new speech. But It's like watching dub TV, but in real life. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then, like, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> it's cause, because, like, if both, so, like, if Burnham and Pike are both speaking English then it should have pike should have been like why are you being translated into klingon and not like why are you speaking klingon i can't or, understand you yeah <laughs> well or yeah or you couldn't you just pull somebody's like ear really close to you so they're like literally hearing the sounds that are coming out of your mouth and just be like yeah. you know whisper to each other or something yeah or just write something down on a piece of paper i i don't know uh, i'm gonna watch it again and i'm gonna love getting the answer but i did miss it the first time around <laughs> But it wasn't the fault of the script. What a great script. No, yes. The episode right. is amazing, <laughs> as as evidenced by me crying in my room yes. by myself. Yeah. Um, just talk, back to Saru for a second. Uh, you know, I think I compare him favorably to Spock. But he in this episode, he kind of goes through all the Spock things in like he really does. Minutes. Like he I, gets was, his... I was like, this is too like, why? If it's like a Ponfar thing, I was like, going to be gets so his own mad. Far. Yeah, yeah, I was like, literally, like, you can't all just be salmon. Yeah, he figures out <laughs> he figures out, you know, something that nobody else could, you know, because he's so smart. And he even gets his own sacrificial death. So we blew through like all the Spock character points literally in like a half an hour. So I think <laughs> one, it worked good, but hopefully going forward now that he's, you know, got a new attitude, uh, point of oh, I'm going to miss nervous Saru though, too. <laughs> I was yeah. like kind of sad at the end when he was but like, how, Oh, I'm, I'm confident. I, Ooh, like, ah, uh. yeah. <laughs> I was like, please, I want him to be nervous. I like it when he's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that he is, growing as a person and i also like the fact yeah. that the show really reiterates for us there's a beautiful speech by him where he talks about how you know he left his own planet and he came to a star base and he saw all these people uh, mm. who had it worse than him and was like i'm gonna i'm gonna succeed and i'm gonna make it better because of this like diversity ch changed him it improved him you know yeah in, in the way that i think you know the right people believe <laughs> it works in our real world um, yeah and I also like the idea that, like, empathy was kind of his superpower in this case. Like, the fact that he, up till that point, was sort of bred to be oversensitive meant that he was able to go, these guys are trying to communicate with us, you know, that I think they're going to die and they've got something to say. So, what a great He's such an angel. He is such a <laughs> rad angel. He's a little <laughs> too good. Uh, anything else that you wanted to say about the episode? Um... I'm just so grateful. And I think this it's definitely a theme in the original series. I don't know about like the rest of Trek, but like we get such like intimate friendships in disco. Yeah. And it makes me so happy. Like all those, like 
any regular boring show, like those intense scenes between Michael and Saru, where they're just like, I love you. And here's like your best quality is this. And like all this stuff, like they, that would be lead up to like, that would be like a romantic plot of the episode. Like a character would be dying and the other character would be like, you can't die. I love you. But here they're just like, no, like they're best friends and they've been through so much together. And then like Tilly and Stamets were like that too, this episode. And I was just like, it made me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And other Trek shows, um, I mean, this it's this is different. This is different than other Trek shows, mm-hmm. um, but not different um, in an unfavorable uh, way. And mm-hmm. like you know, if it was <laughs> if it was TNG, I think it's like the very last episode of TNG, uh, All Good Things. Riker's like, "Oh, Deanna, um, how about some dinner?" She's like, mm, uh, "Sorry, I have plans with uh, Mr. Worf." Oh, no problem. Backs off. Goes on to resent Worf for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Like everybody's keeping their emotions like so they're all being so professional and, yeah. you know, the characters that were, I mean, people are professional on discovery, but the characters we're focusing on either know each other so well, or they are young and inexperienced and are feeling their emotions still. And it's mm-hmm. a different way to kind of get into the Trek universe. And I think it's one mm-hmm. of the things that sets the show apart and that I really like about it. Yeah. Well, and it was, it's also such a, like, just like in the original series, especially with like Spock and Kirk and McCoy, like they're just like a, best friends forever and it's a little bit less like dramatic like it is in disco obviously but it's still just like i don't know like a big hallmark of original trek for me i think and i'm just so happy that we have a like a a writer's room that gives that back to us yeah i absolutely agree um We'll see if uh, Tig gets there with uh, with Stamets or with uh, Reno, <laughs> Reno and Stamets. Hey, w- w- before we they go, they love each other's auras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, they can bond over drugs. Um, I read before in some of the advanced like news before she was on. I read that Reno was going to be um, a disabled character, or um, she was going to have a like oh. a, like a wheelchair or something like that. Um, and I, I guess they didn't pull the trigger on that. Or I, totally I didn't read that. I kind of. I reported it if... on my show. It must be true. <laughs> it better be true. If we're using you as a primary source. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> wow, I would have really liked that. Reporting from my source, me. That is absolutely true. So, what do you think? We had that. Um, the, well, remember, we had the bit in the first season where one of the, like, veterans of the war was in a wheelchair and they had actually gotten like a uh disabled actor to play the character but it was more of like a it was like a one shot at the party because ash was like we've all made sacrifices and then it was like shot of the dude in the wheelchair but it like wow cut too wow okay literally but um we do see a a wheelchair actor um i think in last episode um uh in one of the hallways but okay I don't know. It, was just, was so it, it would have cool. been cool um, uh, to maybe just prove to be too ambitious um, or they thought it was. Um, but anyway, just thought I'd yeah. bring that up to kill the momentum of the show. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about our forward looking segment that we should call censors or something. Let's look at our censors. And what do you think is coming up? Um, every week we ask what the lights are, who the angel is, how Spock is involved. Uh, every week will, I say, I don't know. <laughs> will we see number one again? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. 
especially with like all the <laughs> between her and Pike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, um, you don't think that there's like a romantic connection between them, do you? I mean, you watch oh. that scene again and tell me because okay. ah, come on. <laughs> when she when she what was the she like pauses and goes captain and then he pauses for even longer and then goes <laughs> number one and then it kind of leaves come real on. quick. I was like, okay. It's yeah. Well, okay. It's got to be discovery. It's it's the horniest ship in the fleet. And so now he's now he's silver space daddy to everybody. I guess can't they just be professional? Anyway, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, um, I mean, I hope Spock. I hope we see him soon. They've almost caught up with the ship. Right. If he's not on the ship, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> and of course, next week they have to deal with Tilly being in the Upside Down or, or what? If, yeah, yeah, that's on. what I was thinking. I was like, literally, Stranger Things. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, can't wait until then. Uh, I think we will wrap it up for this week. So thanks for joining us, listeners. Uh, say if you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at e i s t p o d for updates. And to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. You can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email uh, uh, us at EISTpod at gmail.com. While you're on the Internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to the show, Enterprising Individuals. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it because it really helps us out. And also, you can check out our merch. We've got Star Trek merch, T-shirts available on our Public store. Search for Just Enough Trope on Public. That's our parent network for our snazzy Trek wear. If you really want to support the show, you can stop by our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And if you like the show, please tell a friend. Discoverage will return on February 14th for the next episode of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. This next episode is called Saints of Imperfections and will re- reportedly feature, uh, I think we've seen that it will feature Philippa Giorgio. In the meantime, you can check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday, I and a guest will discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. Uh, we also have news from the Trek Sphere, updates on Discovery, and interviews with special guests. And we just released the first episode of our new season, our fourth season, and we're talking about The Devil in the Dark, a classic original series episode. My guest on that episode is Lee Sargent, who's responsible for the Star Trek 365 project, where he created a piece of Star Trek art every day for a year, and this year, 2019, every day, he's featuring a piece of Star Trek fan art. There's also some amazing pieces, and you can check them all out at Star Trek StarTrek365.com. You can hear my interview with Lee on EnterprisingIndividuals.com or on iTunes. Uh, Ella, where can people find Generations Geek? At Generations Geek on Twitter and Instagram. We're doing lots of cool stuff while my parents are visiting me over here. Um, So there's some fun new content on there for everyone to look at. Things to look forward to as well. (laughs) And uh, I think your most recent episode recently came out uh, with Trek author and former Enterprising Individuals guest William Leisner. Uh, talking yes. about his experiences and writing some Trek books and his other work. The, the William Bill Leisner. <laughs> the, um, Mr. William Leisner, Esquire. Yes. <laughs> 
So check that out at generationsgeek.com. And that's it for us. Thanks for listening. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying live long and prosper. Bye.